Welcome to Church Online. This week it is so good to have you with us. And do you remember this place? Um, this is our lovely church auditorium and uh, we just want to recognise that people are meeting in all manner of locations to engage with our church online services, both here on site uh, and in lounge rooms uh, across Sydney and beyond. Um, we'll come back to that in a little bit as well. But Steve, it is the beginning of Term 4. So what is coming up for Paramount Baptist Church? Thanks, Trev. Yeah, look, from now until, would you believe, Christmas, we've got some great things coming up. I just want to talk really quickly with you about them. The first is our new preaching series. It's called Praying the Big Prayers. And what we're doing is looking at uh, some people from Scripture and just the prayers that they they prayed. Uh, These were life-changing, people-changing, in fact, even nation-changing prayers uh, that they prayed. Uh, uh, It's going to be a great, encouraging series, and we would love to invite you uh, to join with the whole church in, in actually praying these kind of prayers. Kathy's going to speak a bit more about that through her sermon from Daniel. After that, we're going to jump into a new series. You want to tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to do a series on good news. And after 2020, don't we all need a series yeah, on absolutely. good news? So we're going to spend um, five weeks looking at just some of, I guess, the, the reasons that the message about Jesus truly is good news in the way uh, that it both changes us uh, and changes uh, all those who encounter the person and work of Christ. So that's going to be five weeks, really looking forward to that series to lead up to Christmas um, as well. Uh, and this is actually going to be a series that is perfect to to share maybe with your friends who, who are trying to work out why you believe what you believe and why you say that Jesus truly is good news for you and me and, and for our world. Uh, and it's also going to be perfect for, for those who have been following Jesus for many years ago great refresher in the very heart of the gospel message. Yeah, oh, I can't believe it's only around about eight and a bit weeks to Christmas, uh, so we're prepared and uh, really looking forward to it. I think one of the things of this year uh, that we've found difficult is is that uh, we have lost connection with each other. I was just talking with someone then and it's been seven months uh, since I've seen her. And uh, I think the temptation has been for us to bunker down a little bit in, in our homes, in our just our small groups, but not engage with one another. Uh, but over the, the course of these last few months, there's been a number of gatherings happening both here at Klein's Road, but also in homes as well. And uh, Travis has just spent some time speaking with some people who are part of uh, gatherings here and in the homes. And uh, yeah, here's what they had to say. Four to five months back on a Saturday afternoon, as I was making a big pot of pumpkin soup, the spirit hatched a plan in my mind. Acting on this, I messaged a few people and asked if they'd like to come to my house the following day to watch church together and then help me eat all the pumpkin soup. They all said yes, and we had such a great time that one of them said, why don't you come to our place next week and we'll do it all again. We now have up to seven of us who meet regularly between three of our homes. We start with a quick morning tea, then watch church online together, then have lunch. We all pitch in and we keep it simple. The benefits to us all have been many, but I'm just going to mention a few. I'd say we've got to know one another far better and on a much deeper level. As this has happened... The provision in our services for discussion have lent lent themselves to an ease in being more open about the things on our hearts without fear of looking silly. It's kept us connected to each other and to the wider church, meaning that we're not falling by the wayside and possibly becoming easy targets 
for the enemy because we are alone. And the fellowship we're enjoying is so good for our souls. We've wondered what on earth, something I was thinking, watching us all trundle in, then there's singing, etc., followed by intermittent raucous laughter throughout the afternoon. We have a lot of fun together. We all thoroughly recommend meeting together regularly. You don't need a big, perfect home. My home is very little, nor does it need to be an elaborate feast. The point of it is to be meeting together with the body of Christ, and he is there in the midst of that. We've really missed Sunday mornings at PBC, uh, meeting with everybody. It's been lovely to, to do that. But we've also enjoyed very much what has become our alternative now. We started meeting on our own at home, and then Phil, our neighbour, came and joined us, and that's been great too. But then we're invited over to uh, the Handleys, Jody and Jonathan. We've really appreciated their hospitality, especially Jody Scones. And we've been meeting with them and a number of other families for quite a few weeks now. We really have enjoyed that aspect of being with them. Yeah, yeah it's been good to be able to share mm. uh, lives and community a little bit um, with each other, to share discussions during the sermons and mm. um, catch up week to week, but also just to... Um, be able to pray together and for each other at the end. It's really been like a small group and um, that's mm. been really encouraging and uplifting and supportive um, for us. We've got it. So thanks, Hanleys, for your hospitality. Encourage others to do similar if you can. One of the wonderful things about meeting together on a Sunday is that it, it uh, keeps alive, keeps burning the devotion that we have to Jesus. Um, it's like a campfire. It takes several sticks to get that fire going. But if you take one of those sticks out of the fire and leave it separate, then the fire in that stick will go out. And that happens to us too. So we need to be together. It's great for encouragement, for strengthening each other, for keeping us going on the journey. Just recently, one of our ladies very sadly lost her husband and she will tell you how important the group was to her during that difficult time. What I love about meeting in person at PBC is just the opportunity to stand with one another and worship God together in the same space uh, through music, um, just through listening to it together, by praying with each other and just opening the word together. It is so enriching to spend that time with one another here at church. Yeah, and I just love seeing everyone's faces. I think especially over the few months that we weren't able to meet in person, just being able to welcome everyone back into church and seeing more and more people come every week, even with face masks, it's still just so warming and the connection with everyone just being in person is so much different than just watching online at home by yourself. So, uh, I guess what I value about uh, meeting in person on Sundays is, is just being able to, to talk to my friends one on one without a computer in between, um, to feel the atmosphere of, of people who are all, all you know, believe in the same thing and, and just yeah, be there together um, with Jesus. Thanks, guys, for sharing uh, the ways in which it's encouraged you to be meeting with others in the life of our church. Uh, for me personally, last Sunday, I just found great joy. Uh, just at that point in Travis's sermon where he stopped and encouraged us uh, just to give thanks to God in all circumstances, a number of people in both the morning and the evening got up and just shared such encouraging stories of, of what God had been doing in their life. Yeah, it was so good. 
There is a real blessing, isn't there, and a power in actually meeting together and the chance to do and be uh, church together, to do life together, um, and certainly continue to live out our faith together in community with each other. Uh, so we're going to move into a, a time of worship now. This is obviously a central part of what it means to express our love and our devotion for God together as a community. So uh, whether you're meeting with others today or whether you are on your own, uh, we are united as a church family in this activity praising and worshipping God. So I'd love just to pray uh, for us all uh, as we step into this time. Uh, So Heavenly Father, we just pray as people worship you wherever they are, they would experience your nearness and your greatness and your great love for them. May we respond with this heartfelt gratitude and awe and worship when we consider who you are and what you've done for us. That you would lavish your love upon us so much that we would be called your children. Thank you for this amazing grace, Lord. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. 
summarize what the Bible is about in one sentence, what would you say? Surely it is the story of how God relentlessly works out his plan for the salvation of people. Since the beginning of creation, God was making himself known and then strategically using individuals to keep unfolding his salvation plan through the entire Bible and then down through history that has followed. And he's very deliberate in putting his people in places where they can make him known. Sometimes it might not feel like that for us. Now, I think sometimes the places that God sends us might seem too secular or too far from things of God, too hostile or maybe even too disinterested. And we have to really pray for how God could possibly even use us in those places, whether that be at our work or at uni, in our school communities, in our neighbourhoods, our families, or wherever else we find ourselves among those who don't yet know God. Today we're commencing a series that we've simply called Praying Big Prayers. And it's about praying for those places where God sends us that he would open doors for us to make him known. We're going to look at different characters in scripture and how God uses them as they pray. Our hope in doing this series is that we would be encouraged that no matter who we are or where we are sent, that we would rise up in prayer and faith for the things that God could do in those places. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord God, I just pray that today as we look at a very familiar story, that your Holy Spirit would speak and would you bring fresh challenge, fresh inspiration through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're looking at the story of a 20-year-old guy who together with his three mates was sent to a people who neither believed nor acknowledged their God, Yahweh. The young adult is called Daniel. And when the book of Daniel was written, God's people in Judah and in the city of Jerusalem were surrounded by three pagan nations who were all jostling for position as the dominant world power. But it was the nation of Babylon that rose up. As the book of Daniel begins, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, has sieged the city of Jerusalem where Daniel lives. This time he would take a small band of hostages. 
in two subsequent attacks, he would take the majority of the population and he would ultimately decimate the city of Jerusalem itself. And so right at the beginning of the book of Daniel, Babylon, the greatest of human kingdoms, has pitted itself against the seemingly defeated kingdom of God. Into this scene came Daniel and his his friends, four young adults who were taken forcibly in that first siege. They, along with the other Israelites, were recruited into what was essentially an elite training program for the king's service in the very pagan nation of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to train Daniel and the other Israelites in Babylonian ways for political purposes, that they would be able to influence their home country of Judah with Babylon's agenda. So Daniel and his friends were put into what was essentially Babylonian boot camp. The idea was that they would train all the Jewishness out of these guys and that they would make them Babylonian. So they start by giving them new Babylonian names, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They also put them into three years of intensive training to teach them the culture and the language and the practices of Babylon. And of course, to truly embrace a culture, you have to embrace its food, right? And so, amazingly, these guys are assigned a daily amount of food and wine from the king's own table. Like, this would have been the best menu and the best wine list in the known world at that time. And that was going to be their diet. And so although they'd been taken forcibly, they were actually put into a place of incredible privilege. And the temptation would have been for them to just lap up that privilege and enjoy the benefits of their new situation, to leave their God behind and to blend in in Babylon. But instead, Daniel and his friends held on to this truth that they belonged to their God even in this place. They would find a way to be distinctive and they would pray for God to use them even in such an unlikely place as this. We're going to hear from Daniel 1, 8 to 21. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. 
At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. These four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. You know, it's not obvious why Daniel took a stand with the food and wine. I mean, some suggest that maybe it was because it had been offered to Babylonian gods, but the vegetables probably had been too. Whatever the reason for fasting, we see that God honoured their decision and that they had the favour of God resting on them. But it's not only fasting. As the story unfolds, we see that Daniel and his friends are men of prayer And so in chapter 6, two kings after Nebuchadnezzar, King Darius issues a decree that no one was to pray to any god except himself for 30 days. I mean, there's a bit of ego, right? But we're told that when Daniel learned of this decree, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed giving thanks to his God. And the passage says, just as he had done before. It seems that Daniel has always had a rhythm of prayer. I mean, this wasn't something new. This is what Daniel always did. We also catch a glimpse of Daniel's prayer life in desperate moments when he absolutely needed God to show up, such as in Daniel 2 when Nebuchadnezzar ordered the execution of all the wise men in Babylon, including Daniel, and Daniel earnestly prays and God shows him what Nebuchadnezzar wanted to know. And so, you know, Daniel not only has this regular rhythm of prayer, but we also see that Daniel, you know, has these desperate prayers at times as well. And, you know, God keeps showing up. You know, Daniel remained in the king's service for 66 years. He served three kings. And although they tried to make him Babylonian, Daniel would not let go of his God. He would not stop praying. And God used him to influence each of those three kings. Each of them experienced the power of Yahweh and turned to him. I'll let you read the details for how that happens. But for the first king, Nebuchadnezzar, it resulted in him falling prostrate before Daniel, declaring, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. And he promoted Daniel, giving him influence over the entire province of Babylon. And at Daniel's request, his three friends were also appointed with him. For the second king, Belshazzar, 
Daniel is called in to interpret writing that has mysteriously appeared on the wall. The upshot is that Daniel is clothed in royal gear and he's promoted as the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And then for under the third king, Darius, he ends up issuing a decree that, and this is in chapter 6, that in every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. King Darius makes this confession. He says he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. I mean, understand that these are really big calls from the kings of the most powerful pagan nation on the planet at that time. You know, I reckon we read stories like Daniel where everything works out and and God uses them powerfully. And perhaps we take for granted just how small and defeated Daniel must have felt when he was first taken as a political exile to Babylon. You know, I doubt that he would have arrived there believing that he was going to turn the kings of this nation to his God. And yet as Daniel keeps his eyes fixed on God and as he just faithfully keeps praying year after year, God positions him with favour and influence. But how easy would it have been for Daniel as a young 20-year-old, to miss the fact that Babylon was the place where God had sent him. And Babylon was the place where God was going to use him. I believe that it's easy for us to miss seeing the places where, where we live and go through the week as places where God has sent us for his purposes. You know, it's easy for us just to, to blend in and accept what is rather than pray for those people and pray for those places, believing that maybe, just maybe, God could use you and I to turn hearts around. And if you feel inadequate for that task, you're in good company. But it's never about who we are. It's who God is, and so it always starts with prayer. As a pastoral team, we feel really convicted that God is calling us as a PBC family to unite in prayer through November and December. Like Daniel, we are going to dare to believe that God could use us to make him known even in the most unlikely of places where we are sent. And so we are asking that every Tuesday you would pray for the places where God has sent you. Pray for a move of God. Pray as the Holy Spirit leads. Next week, we're going to send you out some more info about this call to prayer. If you're able, we also invite you to fast on those Tuesdays as well. Fasting is simply saying no to something that you would normally have or do in order to to use it as a prompt for us to pray. And so allow the Lord to lead you in what you might fast from. It could be caffeine, it could be social media or other media. You might fast from a meal or it might be something else. But the intent is that as we miss that thing, that we are then prompted to pray. Each Tuesday you might set aside a particular time for prayer or it may be that you just keep praying throughout the day in your sent place. 
You might pray alone or like Daniel did at times, you might gather some mates and pray together. But just however you do it, the invitation for us right across PBC is to unite in prayer, that we wouldn't just see Daniel as a cool story that happened back then, but that we would have the faith to believe that God is still writing his salvation story and that as we pray, he will open opportunities for us in our sent places to make him known. Just invite you to pause at this point and just chat with people around you about where your sent places are. Where are the places or who are the people that God has sent you to who don't yet know him? As I wrote this message, I was reminded of the story of a guy called Jeremiah Lanfear who also committed himself to pray. Lanfear was a businessman. He'd been working in New York, but he just had this growing heart that people would know God. But at that time across America, Christianity was in decline. America was in a time of material affluence and people weren't interested in the things of God. And so... Lanfio had been appointed as a missionary. He was trying to share his faith, but he was seeing very little success. Finally, in 1857, Lanfio started a lunchtime prayer meeting and he just gave out some pamphlets to other businessmen and he invited them to come and pray that people would turn to God. And so on the day of the first meeting, Lanfear opened the door and he waited in the upstairs room. For 30 long minutes, nobody came. And then finally he heard someone climbing the stairs. Over the next few minutes, a few more came and there were six that gathered to pray that day. The following week, 15 came. The week after that, 30 to 40 came and they decided that rather than meet weekly in their, their lunch hour, they would then meet daily. Every lunch hour they had, they would come together and they would pray. And the agenda was really simple. They prayed by name for the salvation of people they knew. Well, as it happened, a few weeks after that prayer meeting began, Wall Street crashed. Businesses went into bankruptcy. Banks failed. The railroad company went under. People lost their jobs. The nation was also gripped by um, tensions over slavery at that time and civil war was also looming. And perhaps it was the disruption to prosperity combined with this fervent prayer because people began turning to God. Within six months, that little prayer gathering had grown to over 10,000 people and other cities across the nation were also joining in. On March the 20th, 1858, just six months after that first prayer meeting, the New York Times reported, I mean, this is a secular newspaper, right? It reported on the growing wave of religious excitement. It said people were turning to God. It reported that churches are crowded and bank directors' rooms and schoolhouses have been turned into chapels. Converts were being numbered in the tens of thousands. Across America, 
We know from history that pastors were baptizing 20,000 new converts a week, people who had turned to Christ for the first time. In Baptist churches, they didn't have enough room for the baptisms um, that they needed to conduct in their buildings. And so they went out to city lakes. This was the middle of winter and they cut a hole through the ice in those lakes and they were baptizing people there. Like that's commitment, right? But you know, it all started with just a group of guys who weren't okay that people in their city were far from God, that Christianity was in decline and who committed themselves to pray. There is power in prayer. There is power when people unite together in prayer. And so PBC family, would you be willing to unite in prayer every Tuesday through November and December, daring to believe that if God could use the heart and prayer of Jeremiah Lanfear and his friends, and God would use the heart and prayers of Daniel and his friends, then maybe God could use the heart and prayers of Parramatta Baptist to see people turn to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, forgive us for just accepting that our city and our nation are growing increasingly secular and are far from you. Lord, stir our hearts to believe and pray for more. Oh, Lord, I pray that we would learn what it means to be desperate for people to know the hope and truth of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, lead each of us in how we might shape our Tuesdays in order to earnestly pray. We ask for a move of God among the people and in the places where you've sent us. For the sake of your name, Lord God, and for your glory. And because you yearn yearn for those who are far from you. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, send us with power into the world. for the world Oh Holy Spirit move in our hearts send us with power into the world Oh Holy Spirit move in our hearts fill us with fire love for the world
Those some powerful words to be praying, isn't it? Oh, Holy Spirit, move in our hearts, send us in power into the world. Thank you so much for joining us for Church Online today. As always, our heart is that you were blessed and encouraged. 
And through this service, actually, we pray you're stirred up a little bit as well. That faith has been stirred up as Kathy's spoken about the power of those big prayers, those faith-filled prayers, those nation-changing prayers. Uh, and as we consider that November and December prayer campaign in the life of Parramatta Baptist Church, I hope you're really excited to step into that and join with us uh, as we pray that way as a church for those months. But uh, just a quick reminder and an encouragement from me is you don't need to wait for a prayer campaign and you don't need to wait for November to start praying those ways, praying for the ways that God can and is at work in our nation uh, and through our lives to reach others for him as well. Yeah. Amen. Thank you to everybody who uh, continues to express their worship to God, but also their commitment to this family of Parramatta Baptists through your giving. Um, it's just a, such a significant way in which we do demonstrate our commitment to the body uh, as we support ministry not only in this place, but across the world and through many other mission organisations. Details about how to give are included in our e-newsletter and also at the, the base of this screen. One last thing before we finish off, and that is I just want to wish Doug Worsley a very happy 90th birthday for this Wednesday. Hey, happy birthday, Doug. Happy birthday. God bless you all. See you next week. Can we do that and better? Probably. Yeah, let's do it again. Okay. And God bless. You didn't jump in that time. <laughs> I felt like I, 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 I missed the Wednesday bit. Like, happy birthday! Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's got to be after this Wednesday. All right. After this Wednesday. Here we go. Oh, you want to do it again? Oh, okay. Oh, I like that. I like that. You like that. I like the interaction. All right, all right, all right.